Today's message is called, Don't Stop Believing. In a world where everybody seems to be giving up, quitting, just getting depressed, being worried all the time, anxious, frustrated, God says, don't stop believing in me. Don't stop believing in my truth. Don't stop believing in my plans. God has a great plan for you. Christmas is all about believing. If it's not about anything, it's about that, isn't it? It's the fact that he sent his son for us. And that's why we can believe. I'm fired up today. You guys excited? I'm ready to go. Man, I'm fired up. Today's message is called Don't Stop Believing. Let's start with our mission statement. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. I want to say thank you for joining us. I want to say hello to all of our different campuses as well. And uh, thanks for being with us as well as those who are watching online, as well as our prison ministry. Thanks for tuning in and being with us. We love you guys. Grateful to have you with us. Today's message is all about believing because it's easy to get lost in the frustrations of our world today. People right now are thinking, is anything my government tells me true anymore? You know, can I trust uh, experts? Can I trust society? Can I, can I trust, uh, you know, the people around me? That, that's where we're at, you know. But there's a time in the Bible when it felt that way. There's a 400-year gap between the Old Testament's last words, the prophet of Malachi, to the New Testament in Luke chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 1. There's a 400-year period that, that seemed like, God went silent. Maybe you feel that way. Maybe you feel like you're in this silent moment where it's like God goes radio silent. Like, God, are you, are you still there? Are you still with me? Are you still going to take care of my family? Can I still trust in you? Is truth still truth? Does anything really matter anymore in our world today? And I believe the answer is yes, but we can't stop believing. We have to continue to believe and what God has told us. I want to unpack this day as we look at the Christmas story. We start in Isaiah chapter 7. 700 years before Christ was born, it was prophesied to us that he would be born. Isaiah put it this way. He said, all right, then the Lord himself will give you this sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Aren't you glad God is with us even when things are hard? God is with us. And you fast forward 700 years inside that 700 year windows of 400 year where it seems like God was silent. But I've got great news for you. In the silence, God is actually setting up his greatest move. So when you can't see God moving, when you can't, you can't hear God or feel God, God's setting up his greatest move in your life because his greatest move was to send his son. The greatest gift ever given was his son. Look what happens in Luke chapter one. This is an angel visiting Mary. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the babies be born will be born holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Isn't that great? You can count on God's word. Why would the angel say that to Mary? Because every good Jewish girl and boy knew 
that the last time God spoken was hundreds of years before, and yet God told them a Messiah is coming, and then an angel shows up and says, he's here, he's about to be here, and what does he say? God says, God's word doesn't fail. Let me ask you something. Has God made you a promise in the past? Maybe it's an old promise that you haven't seen happen yet, or maybe it's a new promise that God will give you today. Either way, God's promises, you can count on them. And so here's the first thing I want to challenge you to do today. Would you write this down? Don't stop believing in God's promises. It's easy to give up now, isn't it? It's easy to think the world's going to crap. Everything's falling apart. Can you say crap in church? I don't know if you can or not, but I think I'm in trouble now. But it's easy to think, why does it matter anymore? Why does living for God even count? Why does it matter? But God keeps his promises. Did you know there's over 7,000 promises that God makes you in his word? Those are all blank checks waiting for you to sign. He says, I promised you these things. He promises us health and life and blessing. You know, he promises that your kids that go wayward will come back to the Lord. You know, he promises that. You know, he promises to heal you. He promises to bless you. He promises to take care of you, to keep his hand upon you. God's word is chock full of the promises of God. And they still count and they still matter today. What I'm trying to say is I don't know how strategic you are or not, but the Lord is my strategy. I can count on him. Even when things don't make sense, I can trust in him. Years ago, there was a doctor. Uh, he was a professor. His name was Dr. Desamogi. He was a Jewish man who was a Messianic Jew. I mean, he'd become a Christian and uh, he taught in Hungary. This is in the 40s when Hungary was taken over by Nazis. And uh, he didn't know what to do. He could see the political temperature changing. It made him nervous, of course. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know how to get out. Uh, but basically, it came down to a point where he was going to stand with his faith. And so he took his Bible out and he laid it on his desk uh, in his office there at the college he taught at. Several people came by that saw him, that knew him and loved him, knew of his faith. But they said, I don't think this is smart for you to leave your Bible out. This is, this is really dangerous today. And he said, no, that's why I did it, is I don't want to back off my faith. Then the day finally came when a friend of his came and said, hey, a friend of his that worked for the police, he said, hey, look, in a couple hours, I'm coming back with some police officers my advice for you is to disappear. So he did. He gathered the stuff quickly and he went into hiding. When he was in hiding, he didn't, know, he didn't know how to get out, but he knew that they would give visas sometimes to professors to go to conferences around in other nations. So he thought maybe that could be his way out. Maybe no one linked together at, the, at the, uh, the consulate in Hungary what was going on and how they were trying to keep him there. So he thought maybe just maybe they're not that organized. So he wrote a letter to the consulate asking for permission to go to a conference in Vienna. And so he never got a response. Finally, he just got bold. He was praying. He said, God, I need you to help me right now. God, I know that you're God who saves. Please help me get out of the country. So he boldly decided to get dressed up and to walk out in the open and walk straight to the consulate, praying to God he wouldn't get caught and to go ask for a visa face to face. So he walks to the consulate. Miracle number one, he didn't get caught. He gets in there. There's hundreds of people trying to do the same thing. And he knew there was this conference coming up and he thought maybe if I could just get out of the country. And so Everyone kept hearing the word no that was in line. Finally, he got bold. He thought, I'm going to go see the president of the consulate. I have no idea who this, this is, but he asked. He said, where's the president's office? He told him it's the top floor. He was about to take the elevator, but something in him told him, no, take the stairs. And he thought, I can calm down and pray all the way up anyways. So he began to take the stairs up to go to the president's office. He didn't know the man, but he thought, I, I might as well just get face to face. If he's going to say no, he's going to have to say no to my face. On his way up, a young girl was coming down. She stopped and looked at him and said, Dr. Samogi. Yes. And she said, dude, do you remember me? I took one of your classes. He said, yes, how are you doing? And she said, what are you here for? And he said, I'm here to get a visa. Well, she knew of his faith. She said, follow me. 
And she began to go up the stairs. And as he was following her, he said, how do you know where to go? She said, my fiance is the president's assistant. Just follow me. They walk into the office. He, I mean, this is a wing and a prayer moment. He's like, God, please help me. He walks in. She says, just, just let me handle it. She walks up to her fiance. He says, hey, this is my former professor. He's a great man. He needs a visa. She looks at him and looks at her. And he says, I know who he is. He's on the no-fly list. She says, give him a visa. He said, I can't do that. He's on the no-fly list. She said, either give him a visa or cancel our wedding plans. He grabbed a sheet of paper, filled it out, and signed it himself. And that's how Dr. Samogi got out of the country. God takes care of his people. And if God can take care of Dr. Samogi, God can take care of you. You know, he taught in Harvard for years after that. And he was open about his faith. And he always told people, and they said, how do you believe in God? He said, let me tell you, I believe in God. Because God told me to take the stairs, not the elevator. You can trust God. When he tells you something, there's a purpose behind it. There's a reason. Trust him. God knows what he's doing. It goes on in scripture that, that now an angel goes to see Joseph. Because Joseph finds out Mary's pregnant. And he's like, whoa, what's going on here? I hadn't been with her. So what's going on? He's like, there's something about Mary. You know what I'm saying? He's like, this is not cool, right? So he's like, what's going on, right? So he had plans to divorce Mary, right? And so he wasn't even going to be mean to her. I mean, he could have called on the Jewish law. I mean, he could, he, could have, he could have potentially had her stoned to death. I mean, he could have been horrible towards her. He didn't do that. Thank the Lord, Joseph was a good guy, right? So God speaks to him in a dream and tells him, no, 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 this is God's child. Check out the scripture. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Did you know that men had naming rights of the firstborn? So Joseph uh, had to, if he was gonna obey God, he would name him Jesus. So Mary had to obey God to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. Joseph had to obey God to name him Jesus. So what if one of them wouldn't have followed the Lord? I mean, where would the story go, right? It goes on to say this. After all this occurred to fulfill, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's promise through his prophet, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So Joseph, of course, we know does the right thing. But can you imagine you show up and you see your fiance pregnant? Well, Joseph, what a nice guy. Just imagine that. He would show up at her house drunk some night, you know. Yo, Mary. <laughs> Who is it, Mary? Was it Roro? <laughs> I always see him hanging around with you. Thank God Joseph was a good guy, right? Sorry, I know my mind just goes to these crazy places. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> but Joseph was a godly man and he followed the Lord. But he didn't exactly get it the way he wanted it, did he? This is not what he signed up for. This is what Mary signed up for, but this is what, what God had in mind. Aren't we glad that Joseph listened to the Lord? Now, this is really important. I want you to hear me loud and clear. One of the parts that we forget about God is God's timing. So number two is to don't stop believing in God's timing. Did you know there were 77 generations from Adam to Jesus? 77 is significant because that literally means perfection. So God has perfect timing for you and for me. But I got some news I need to let you in on. This is a hard truth, but here it is. It says in Psalms 27, and by the way, none of us get around this. None of us. Psalms 27, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Why would God say it twice? You see, in the Hebrew and the Greek languages, both of them didn't have exclamation points, so they would repeat themselves to give an exclamation. 
He says, wait patient for the Lord, be brave. Do you know sometimes it takes courage to not move forward? Sometimes it takes bravery to not grab a hold of what's in front of you. God says, wait, wait on the Lord. Oh, but God, I'm waiting for you to bring the right person for me. And if, if you don't bring them, I'll just find someone. No, 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 wait for the Lord. Oh God, I really want that promotion. If it's not gonna happen, I'll just barge in my boss's office. No, 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 wait for the Lord. That's a good way to mess things up. Wait on God's perfect timing. Philippians 1 says, he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion. But you gotta stay in line. You gotta wait for God. All of us have a wait. Jesus said in Mark 1, he said, the time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near. The time promised of God. Now there's two words for time in the Greek language. There is chronos, chronology. This is where we get the word history. This is where we get hours and days and everything's lined up back to back, right? That's chronology. But then the word used here is not chronology. The word here used here is kairos. It's not chronos, it's kairos. Kairos means this. It means there's an appointed time. When I go to see my doctor, I go and I wait in a waiting room. Why? This is an important person and I'm willing to wait because if I will wait to see them, they will bring healing to me. Have you ever had to go see a specialist? Sometimes it takes weeks or even months to get in front of the right specialist, but we wait. Why? Because they are the experts and they know exactly what we need. So we'll wait for them. And so you have an appointed time. And God's saying to you and me, if we will wait for important people, why won't we wait for the Lord? God has set an appointed time. He has an appointment to introduce you to the right person. He has an appointment to introduce you to the right opportunity. Oh, but God, I want this promotion. I want it now. God's like, if you wait, there's something in the wait I want you to learn that you're going to miss if you don't wait. So wait on God's timing. What if you're not ready for that job and you get fired in it because you weren't ready because you didn't learn what you're supposed to learn in the spot you're in now. So God sometimes gets us stuck in line because there's something we need while we're in line. So wait on God's appointed time. He has a plan for you. I called my parents up when I was in college. I went off to a small Christian school, thought I was going to love it, hated it, didn't like it at all. I was surrounded by Christians. I didn't like that at all. Sorry, no offense. But <laughs> the reason is because I, I want to win people to Christ. So I need to be around people that don't know God, right? So I thought it was going to be great. In high school, I was big evangelist, always telling people about Jesus, inviting them to church, that kind of thing. So then I go to college, I was like, there's no one to invite to tell about Jesus because everyone here is a Christian. So I called home. I told my mom and dad, hey, I want to transfer schools. And of course, my mother was immediately worried. I think it's every mother's job to worry about their kids, right? She's like, why? I said, well, I want to go to a, a state school where there's not a lot of Christians. She's like, why? That's, that's going to mess you up. That won't be good. And there's not Christians there. And, you, and I said, no, mom, I want to go be an evangelist. She's like, why would you want to do that? I mean, she's an evangelist, but she's like, you know, scared for her kid, right? I was like, no, I really think this is what God's telling me to do. And, but I didn't have enough hours to transfer. So I knew I'd have to come home first, get some community college hours, and then transfer into school I wanted to go to. So I come home. I really didn't want to be at home, but I didn't want to waste my parents' money. It was like twice the cost of a state school at this private Christian school. So I come home and my mom and dad said, well, if you're going to do this, take as many basics that you can that will transfer in, you know, some of the harder classes. So I was ended up in this English class that was terrible in English, and I would never use that in my profession ever. Anyways, so I remember taking this English class and, and, and the professor clearly didn't want to be there, by the way, either. I didn't want to be there. The professor didn't want to be there. This guy had taught in larger schools. He wanted us all to know how big of a deal he was. I remember at one point he was, he was just going off on different people and he was really rude and just pretty hardcore. And I thought, wow, this is probably why this guy's no longer in that big school that he just mentioned because I bet he lost his job. I don't know for sure, but he, it just seemed like this guy was super rough around the edges. One day he decides to go off on Christians. So I'm sitting in the front row and... The Holy Spirit starts to speak to me and say, you need to speak up. 
And I was like, oh, Lord, please, no. Come on, God, you got to be kidding me. The real spiritual response, right? You know, I was like, no, God, please, no, 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 God. And I felt the Lord tell me, you need to speak up. So finally, I was like, hey, because he said, Christians believe this and Christians, and I knew that they weren't things we believe. So I was like, uh, actually, sir, um, that's not what Christians believe. He goes, well, are you, are, do you, are you a Christian? I said, yes, sir, I am. And that's, that's actually not what the Bible says or not what my church teaches. So I just, not in a bad way, but just kind of said, that's actually not what the Bible says. So he said, oh, oh okay, thank you. Just kind of shut him down a little bit, not, nothing big. But after class, I was packing up my stuff and the lady behind me, there was an older lady, older is very relative. I was like 20, right? So, but she was sitting behind me and she, she was going back to school and she tapped me on the shoulder. She said, excuse me. I said, yeah. She goes, what's your name? I said, oh, my name's Bill. She's like, so you're a Christian. I said, yeah. She goes, that's pretty cool what you just did. I was like, oh, thank you. And she said, what do you want to do with your life? I said, honestly, I, I want to go into the ministry, maybe youth ministry. I'm not really sure. She said, really? She said, can I get your number? I was like, sure. She goes, my husband is a pastor of a church here in town. Would you like to be our youth minister for this summer? So God had me stuck in a classroom I didn't want to be in so that I could get the opportunity for me to enter the ministry. God knows what he's doing. Trust in him. Don't stop believing in God's promises. Don't stop believing in God's timing. And this next one is really hard. Don't stop believing in God's people. Here's what this means. God's placed people in your life to affirm or warn you. And we're supposed to listen to both. Let me show you a couple of scriptures here. So what does Mary, how is her response to the Holy Spirit when the angel shows up to speak? I am the Lord's servant. Mary says, may everything you have said about me come true. How does Joseph respond? He says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. So both of them honored the Lord. And we're about to hear about Elizabeth in a moment as well. But let me tell you why Elizabeth is important. When, when the angel speaks to, to, to Mary, uh, the angel says, your cousin Elizabeth is also pregnant. Well, Mary knew Elizabeth very well. She was her older cousin. She was older than her. She knew that Elizabeth had been trying to have a baby for a very long time. And so this was a miracle. I love how God has a side miracle in the story. I love that. Why is that important? Because maybe you feel like, you know, Pastor, I, I'm not a big deal. And I, I know about this, the big picture of Jesus and Mary and Joseph. But I mean, I don't think God's concerned for me. God says, no, 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 no. I got miracles everywhere for you. You may not think you're important. God says, I got a miracle for you too. So in the Christmas story is a story of Elizabeth having her first child as well. And so I just love that. But let me tell you what that's also important. Mary listened to Elizabeth. Why? She was older, wiser, more spiritual. And so this was confirmation. The angel was saying, hey, if you don't believe me, go see Elizabeth. You know, Mary does go see Elizabeth. When they hug, they run up to her. She sees that she's pregnant. They run up to her. They hug. They literally baby bump, right? They're like, yeah. They do the whole thing. No, I don't, I don't think that happened. But... That would be really bad. But they did hug each other. When they hugged, the Bible says that when their bellies touched, the Holy Spirit caused John the baptizer that was inside of Elizabeth's belly to jump. This is now Jesus' cousin. Jesus and John, for the first time, meet belly to belly in, in their mother's uh, umbilical uh, waters. How beautiful is that? The next time we see them in Scripture, they're in the waters of baptism. Isn't that beautiful? God has a way. But Mary believed in Elizabeth and her wisdom too. So here's my challenge for you. Is there some godly people in your life leading you in a certain direction that you're not going? Do you realize the danger of that? God places teachers, preachers, youth ministers, coaches, parents, 
Godly people who are wiser than you are to lead you, to warn you, to point you in the right direction. Ignore that at your own peril. We forget that God gave us a church. If you're lacking wisdom, just ask someone around you, hey, this is what's going on in my life. And, you know, what would you do? And get their wisdom. Learn from others. Guys, I want to tell you, when you look around this, this church and five campuses, thousands of people, I'm not this smart. I'm just not. I have surrounded myself with really great advisors. The Bible says this in Proverbs. Check it out. Where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in an abundance of counselors, there is victory. Do you want victory in your life? Listen to godly counsel. It will protect you. Boy, I got quiet on this point. You know why I got so quiet? Because we really don't want God's will. We want our will with God's stamp of approval. But if you really want God's will, that's going to go against your will sometimes. We have to be willing. God's saying, wait on my will. It's better. But you say, oh, but Lord, I can reach for this job myself. I can reach for this opportunity myself. I can reach for this person myself. But God comes along and says, see how far you can reach and see how much further I can go. I can get something so much better for you if you'll wait for the Lord. Trust in the Lord's timing, his promises. Trust in his people as well. In Greenland, they have these huge icebergs. And it's really crazy because you see smaller icebergs floating in one direction and these gigantic deep icebergs floating in another. And you wonder, why aren't they all going in the same direction in the same waters? Well, that's because the smaller icebergs are tossed around by the wind of the day, whatever direction it happens to be going. But the larger icebergs are so deep that the ocean currents at the depth of the ocean are moving them slowly in the same direction. That's like our lives. Are you being tossed around by the winds of today, by whatever's available in front of you right now, when God's saying, you know, my purposes are deeper and I'm moving you in a consistent direction. Don't violate that. Trust the Lord. Even when everyone else is going the opposite direction, mm -mm. trust God. He's leading you. He's protecting you. God will guide you through what? Through his promises. God will guide you through his people. God will guide you in many different ways. And the last thing I want to encourage you, don't trust, uh, don't stop believing in God's people. But also I want to encourage you with this one. Don't stop believing in the sovereignty of God. What does sovereignty mean? It means he's in control. It means he's still got you. Even when things seem crazy, you control. Let's get excited. You can trust God in the middle of a mess. You can trust him. Luke 1, 36, and behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. She, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. God goes before you. Before Mary was even pregnant, God said, I already, I already, already hooked up Elizabeth, man. She's good. She's got a baby coming. You don't even know it yet because you hadn't seen her. They didn't exactly have a cell phone they could text. They weren't like posting this on Instagram, right? So she hadn't seen her. When she saw her, she's like, oh my gosh, you're further along than me. Which goes back to the word of God where God says what? See, I am already doing a new thing. God's already doing something. Will you join him? Will you join him in what God's already doing? He's already moving on your behalf. Romans 8, 28 says this. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. God will even use a spiky-haired preacher in South Texas <laughs> to speak to someone today. Isn't that cool how God knew you needed this message? I didn't know you did, but, but God did. If I'll just listen to the Lord, he'll bring something for both of us. God has something for you today. And here's the last thing I'd like to tell you. If I could close with one thing. If you're missing peace today, it's a crazy world we live in, isn't it? 
I mean, it seems like everything's on the. Have you noticed that everything that's wrong they're trying to say is right, and everything's right they're trying to say is wrong now? I mean, the world just seems literally upside down. It, it's, it's just a big mess right now. Let me help you have some peace today. Here's what I want you to do. Insert this belief into your current situation. This is a tucked away scripture right here in the middle of Christmas story. This is what the angel says. For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. Oh, but God, I got cancer. Yeah, but cancer doesn't have you. Nothing's impossible with God. Oh, God, I'm in the middle of 12 step right now and I don't think I can get healed. Nothing's impossible with God. Lord, I'm in a legal battle right now. Oh, nothing's impossible with God. Oh, God, I'm in a little divorce. Oh, nothing's impossible with God. Oh, Lord, my son is wayward. Oh, nothing's impossible with God. Oh, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Nothing's impossible with God. Nothing's impossible with God. Nothing's impossible with God. Nothing's impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. You got to believe again. Nothing is impossible with God. Would you bow your heads with me, every head bowed, every eye closed right now across all of our churches? Who is God speaking to today? Who is he saying, stay in line, wait for me, trust me, don't force it, don't try to make it on your own. God says, wait for the Lord. I got you. I got you. Every head bowed, every eye closed, God's speaking to you. If the Lord is telling you, wait, lift your hand high and say, okay, God, I'll wait. I'll wait patiently for you, for your timing, for your ways, for your connections, for your promotion, for the door you want to open. God, I'll wait patiently for you. I trust you, Lord. I'll be brave. I'll be courageous and wait on the Lord. Maybe someone today is to say, Pastor, I'm hearing your word, but I've not been listening to some wise counsel. Make a choice today. Say, God, I recognize that those voices are not just random. They're from you. You place those voices in my life for a reason. Lord, I'm going to listen to those. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for protective parents. Thank you, God, for protective youth ministers and preachers and teachers and coaches. Thank you, God, for uncles and aunts and grandmas and grandmas, grandpas that, that pray for us, that speak wisdom to us. Thank you, God, for good friends who are willing to tell us something we don't want to hear. Thank you, God, for your warnings. And thank you, God, that you're still in control. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Have you given your life to Christ? You can receive him right now by praying a very simple prayer right now across all of our churches. Those who are watching online with us, pray this prayer with me. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize you came for me. And I realize you died for me. You paid the price for my sin. And then you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer, then Christ is coming in your life. No one's looking around right now, all of our different churches. If you just prayed that prayer, every head bowed, your eye closed, would you lift your hand high if you just gave your life to Jesus? Thank you. There are hands going up all across our churches right now. Thank you. We see that hand in Rod, Rodfield right now. Thank you right now, Padre Island. Thank you. Hold that hand high. If you just gave your life to Christ. Thank you, Rockport. Praise God. Praise God. All the way in the back. Praise God. There at Stone Oak. Thank you. Thank you. God knows. Praise God. Thank you. Those you're online with us, let us know in the text chat right now. Just text to us right now. Just say, my hand's raised or click hand raised. Just let us know. If you just gave your life to Christ. If you're in our prison ministry right now, let me know. Write us a letter. Let us know that you gave your life to Christ. We'd love to hear from you. We'll write you back. Praise God. God is moving. God is moving in this house. Lord, I thank you, God, for these people who have given their life to Jesus. Thank you that your timing is perfect that you always have just the word we need 
when we need it. Thank you for your truth today. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.